Well, you're there, John chapter 3. You there? Say amen. All right. I'm picking up verse 26 and it says, They came to John, this is John's disciples, and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, what man were they talking about? Jesus Christ. That man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone's going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become greater less. Father, we thank you for your word. Help me to say what you want to say and help us to hear, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, the, uh, the message this morning is, is geared in, towards challenging us as believers and uh, those who called on the name of the Lord and are saved. And I pray this morning that everyone has done that. If you've not done so, as I said earlier, you can call on the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you the greatest decision, the most important decision you'll ever make in your life is uh, when Jesus Christ comes in to be with you. Amen. By the way, Mark and Buffy, so good to see you all. So glad you all are here. Amen. Thank God for you guys. We love you. And uh, But uh, praise God. Hope your folks are doing good, by the way. But uh, thank God for you. But this morning, it's a challenge to us as, as believers. And, and I want us to learn from the life of John, who is, how many of you agree that, that he would be a model servant? That John's a model servant, right? And that's, that's what I'm preaching about this morning, is John a model servant? And how many of you, like me, you want to hear one day when you're with the Lord, you stand before God, you want to hear the wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And uh, so we want to do that. It's our honor and privilege to serve the Lord. In, in Matthew, concerning John, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus makes a, a statement and actually gives testimony about John and uh, the fact that there was no one born among women who is greater than John. And if you remember, John was a miracle child. He was, he was an answer to persistent prayer. And uh, parents, his parents uh, had been praying for him for years and for decades. And they might have actually got to the point where they just thought, well, you know, God's, we've asked and for years and decades, and God's given us the answer, and the answer is, you know, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes God just says no. But he's working all things together for the good. And so they may have assumed by this point, because they were so old, they were beyond the, the years when you would ever expect that you would have children. And, uh, but it was at that time that God chose uh, for them to have a child. And Elizabeth became pregnant, became pregnant with John. And so what an incredible person he was, a, a promised child, a, a miraculous child. And um, a chosen instrument, chosen to announce the, the coming of, of the promised one, the Messiah, the Christ, right? And so, so pretty special. Yet, and something that touched me, and maybe I'm sure that you've come across that at some time, but years ago, it was a real encouragement to me when I realized, as I read that passage in Matthew, where, where John, who had such promise, all these things going for him, 
when even he had struggles, he had challenges and, and battles, and as he was going through that dark time being in prison and, and separated from what he was called to do and separated from people, how many know that when we're alone, we're battling in times of darkness, it's then that the enemy oftentimes puts doubts in your mind and, and causes you to question. you got all kinds of time to think, yeah? And, uh, and he was doing a lot of thinking and questioning. And here's this one who's the forerunner of Christ the proclaimer of the Lord, who had boldly declared what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But yet we find John sending his disciples to Jesus asking this question. He sent his disciples all the way to find Jesus and ask him this question. Are you the one or do we seek for another? Do you think John was not wrestling a bit? having a faith battle is, is this really the guy have I have I done right have I done that listen so I, I want to encourage you with this it was encouraging to me to see such a guy that such a man just an elite person a model servant that even he could have battles in his mind and his faith and so don't let the enemy beat you up because now and again you wrestle with questions right we all have go and lift your hands if you have serious questions sometimes you had questions you're you battling your faith see there look around some especially those new christians or whatever you think oh it's just me and the enemy pointing out just me no it's not just you the enemy tries to work that way with all of us okay and so it was a great encouragement when i came across that day i, I that's kind of i kind of feel bad because i'm encouraged by john's fault <laughs> But 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 how have you been around that? You look around people, you're like, yo, I really admire them, but man, they're messed up too. Praise God. Amen. You know, so anyway. But hey, God's the only one's got it together and uh and he's helping us to put things together, right? So this morning as we look at John, the model servant, I want to draw our attention to three defining statements which help to reveal why John was a model servant. And and the first one that he stated, he says, he says this. I am not the Messiah. John knew who he wasn't. Do you know who you are not? <laughs> that, that's an important thing, right? It's, it's hard to imagine, but, you know, sometimes people even want to make gods out of other people. And, and we see it, I mean, we see it even in our culture. It's almost like, you know, people really make, they really elevate people almost to the point of a godlike status. Um, but, you know, there was, you read in the, you read in through the book of Acts and you come and, and, and uh, Paul and Barnabas were traveling. They did a, uh, it was a miracle. God used them to perform a miracle. A lame man was there and the lame man was healed. And as a result of that, the people began to cry out, the gods have come down and, and live among us. And they called Barnabas Zeus and they called Paul Hermes and, and they were ready to make sacrifices to, the, to, to Barnabas and, and, and Paul. They were really at that point to make sacrifices to them. And Paul and Barnabas find out about it. And then they're tearing the robes like, no, no, we're just, we're just human just like you. But all the, how, pe how prone people can be to make gods out of other people. And uh, even, you know, Herod, uh, uh, King Herod, people stood before and he makes this speech. And, and uh, whether it was just to... I don't know, just to make him feel good about himself or to make themselves look good, they began to praise him and said, he, you speak as a God, not as a man. And Scripture says because Herod did not immediately give glory to God that worms ate him and he died. Right? People want to make gods out of you. But John sets the record straight. He says, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ. 
I'm not the son of God. I'm, I'm not God, right? And we're not God. Thank God we're not God. If we were God's, if I know if I was God's, there'd be a lot of crispy critters laying around. I'm like, I'm done with you. No, you, you're never going to do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? And you would do the same thing to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're not God, so, so we're not the main focus. God is. Right? What was, what was, what was the sin of Satan? It's pride, wasn't it? It's pride. <laughs> we were we were having fun before before services before prayer this morning. Um, we meet. You're welcome to join us at nine o'clock, but we meet in there just for a brief time of prayer because Lord, unless you help us, we can do nothing. We need you, right? It's Him. It's Him. It's all Him. If God doesn't show up, folks, we're wasting our time, right? And so we're meeting before prayer, make fun and. And uh, Brother Marvin come in and say, yeah, now here's, here's one who really needs the prayer, you know. And making fun of Brother Marvin, he needs prayer, you know. And, and uh, then we made fun of Tommy Davis. You know, it's fun. It's easy to make fun of people that are not here. <laughs> and so point out the fact that Tommy's not here. The truth is Tommy is right now at a bar. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> he's, 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 yeah, he's, he's working at B.B. King's. He got called in and they had some pipes that gas lines and problem or something so he's there doing that he's fixing that so but the point we want to remember is that Tommy was at a bar <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know, that, that's our that's one of our special deacons for you you know but <laughs> then uh Stephen and Donna come in and and uh, they come in and they're, they're talking about something and talk about you know the, the lawn or whatever lawnmower and I thought no you you got you two got marital strife you know so you know that's their issue, and then and then, uh, then finally Jimmy Jimmy Bragg comes in and he said, "Is I'm sorry I'm late. I had to I had to break away from my fan club." We said, uh, "His problem is pride," you know. So anyway, yeah. uh, but uh, so we give him a hard time. Now, in, in truth, you'll never find a more humble person than Jimmy Bragg, right? Um, and that's the truth, Jimmy. Thank God for you. You were a model to us too in the battle you fought with your health. You were a great model of consistent faith. Um, so we thank God, but we were just having some fun, but how many know, and not so fun thing, the enemy was, his big deal was about pride, I want to ascend, I want to ascend, and I want to be like God, not like God, like God calls us to be like him, not in character, but he wanted to be like God in status. He wanted to be like God in position. He wanted to be like God in authority. He wanted to like be God, right? And, and isn't it interesting that, um, that the enemy used that same tactic? He, he has a way of appealing to our pride. Right? Appeals to our pride. Now, there's a healthy pride. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a pride that's destructive and, and, um, and sinful. And that's what we're talking about here. But he has a way to do that. And that's how what he did when he appealed to mankind's pride. And caused, and, and caused them and led them into sin. When he was conversing, if you read there in Genesis chapter 3, when he was conversing with Eve, what was the thing that just got her? If you, if you eat it, you will be like God. And uh, man, hey, come on, listen. How many, how, many of you, how many of you, you know, you kind of feel good when somebody lifts your name up in a good way? 
Huh? Come on. Listen, everybody likes their name mentioned. And that's what you got to be careful because some people will throw your name around and they'll, and they'll use you and they'll manipulate it. They'll throw your name around not because they are really genuine in their comment about you, but because they're just trying to win you over because they've got something they're wanting to use you for. That's the devil. <laughs> that's how the devil works, right? Am I just being real, right? That's how it works. So this, this whole thing about pride. Um, but, but here's the thing. We are not God. I'm not God. Neither are you. Come on, look at look your neighbor and tell him, say, you're not God. And I'm not either. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so guess, what, guess what that means? The focus, that means God, if, if, if the Lord is God and we're not, the main focus, the main character is him. It's not us. Right? It's him. It's not us. But there's this thing about when that, that we're not God, for one thing, we're not to be elevated to that place. Nobody's supposed to be putting us up into that place or even close. Um, but can I say, too, that we're not God? Whew, what a relief. Because the pressure's not on us. It's on him. You're not God. And sometimes there's things that, that you feel a pressure. We all feel that. We feel that burden of what somebody's going through. Somebody we love, somebody in our family, you know, a community, a neighborhood, and we're so burdened, and we do our part to pray and do what we can. But how do you know we're not God, and we can only go so far? We can't save anybody. There's only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? We can't change people. And God can, but even only God can change people as they open up the door and allow him to come in and move in their life. He's not God. So listen, let, some of you might need to be released from some burden that you're, that you're bearing, that you're trying to, to fix this thing or fix that thing or change that person or save that person. Listen, you can't. You're not God. Your job, my job, is to call on God, to call on the name of the Lord, and to point people to God and pray that God will come in in His marvelous presence, amen, and that people will open up and let Him do what only He can do, right? So let us keep our eyes off man and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And be aware of people or the enemy trying to play on our human pride, right? Lord, help us. And, but, so John says, he says one statement, he says, I'm not the Messiah. But he says, but I am his messenger. I am his messenger. I mean, we're not the Messiah. Again, tell us, look at your neighbors, I'm not the Messiah. But I am his messenger. You, how many of you know that's true? Right? It's true. Though we're not God, we do have an important part to play. That you and I help people to see God and to know God. And, and isn't, it, isn't it interesting on, on one hand, the enemy tries to elevate us and tries to build us up. You know, hey, you're really somebody, you can be like God, you know, and put us up there. On the other hand, he'll use the very opposite tactic and he'll put us down like you're nothing you're nobody you, you don't matter your life has no meaning you know putting us down one time lifting us up another one putting us down and we don't belong in either one of those places right we are God's children and we are God's messengers 
And I hope that you realize, as a Christian, you are his messenger. Through your words and deeds and character, you point people to Christ, and so do I, right? And that's what we want. Um, we heard, now listen, this is, I know, this is, you all are just amazed, blown away by what I just shared with you. Oh, Pastor, I never heard that, never knew that. No, I know, I know you know, but we, we, we need to get it. We are God's messengers. We had, we had uh, heard great testimony, I don't know if it was last, this past Wednesday maybe, might have been the Wednesday before, of uh, just the youth bringing, bringing their Bibles to school and, and uh, talk about one youth in particular brought his Bible to school and, and just the impact of that and went into the detail. I'm not going to um, rat the person out, so to speak, though it's a very positive thing. But, folks, I'm going to tell you, that, that moved me. The whole room was moved. By, by this young person's act of faith and boldness and just bringing their Bible to school. Folks, that's how I was saved. That's how I came to Christ. Because somebody was bold enough, a teenager was bold enough to say, I'll be a messenger. And I care about, do you, do you, do you want to make, make people talk and, and, and change the atmosphere? Just bring your Bible into wherever you're going. Just carry it in with you and see what happens. Oh, if you carry it on your phone on the app, that doesn't show up very good. But you carry your actual Bible, I'm going to tell you, it's going to cause a conversation. Right? And that's what happened. And it was, it was great things that coming as a result of that. And, and so, Lord, help us to do that. We, we are his messengers. Yeah? It takes courage to do this. It takes courage to stand up. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because we, we want to... We wanna, be willing to stand out and to, and to give God glory and to bring him into that place, to bring him that environment, wherever it is, right? And it's interesting that God, in the, through the process of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that involves the yielding of ourselves, of our bodies, the yielding of our tongue, and, and to speak in an unknown language involves a step of faith. But how do you know to go and to share Christ with somebody and takes a step of faith? And so it's all preparatory. God's, and God's teaching us to be yielded. Will you trust me? Will you yield to me? Will you be that vessel that I've called you to be? Now, I've got, I, got, I have an important question. This is, how I many know this is God's plan? You're his messenger. That's his plan. We're, we are his messengers. That's his plan. I have a question. Tell me. In your circles, who you spend time with, who you hang with, in your family, could be there. In your classroom, on the teams that you're on, in your workplace, in your workplace, wherever you hang out, wherever the circles are in your life of people, who are the messengers? I want you, th I want you to think of names. Who are the messengers? Who's the one standing up or the ones standing up and, and boldly, tactfully proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ? And are you one of them? Folks, this is what, this is what, we, this is what we have to answer. Listen, I want you to think about that circle. And, and you, don't have to lift your, you don't have to lift your hand, but I'm sure many hands would go up and say, 
who are the voices? And if I said, are you the only voice in any of the circles in your life? Are you the only voice? I'm sure dozens and dozens of hands would go up that you're the only voice. Your voice matters. If you think about it, if, if you don't stand up and speak it and show it and share it, how are they going to get it? God needs messengers. Who are they? Amen? Are you, are you close to them? Are you connected with them? Do you have the ability? Who are they? If it's, so who is it? And does it include you? It ought to include you. But let me say, if it's on one hand, if it's just you, make it count. You're enough. You say, I'm just one voice. So was John. The voice of what? One. The voice of one calling out in the wilderness. And look what an impact that he made. And we're still talking about John today. And Jesus said of him, and notice that when Jesus said of him, there's no one born among women who's greater than John. I want you to note that Jesus made that statement and testimony about John after John was battling with that whole faith issue about who Jesus really was. And uh, so it didn't change anything. God, God knew and God knows who you really are. In spite of your, he knows who you are, and he believes in you. Look at your neighbor and say, God believes in you. Amen. He really does. He believes in you. He loves you. So listen, so be one of them. Be one of those voices. Be, be a faithful servant. Do you know one of the great things that we will be put, rewarded for when we get to heaven is the fact that we have led people to Christ. Lord, help us. Folks, this is, this is my heart. This is what I pray over. This is what I weep over. This is what burdens me at night. God, where are the people that really that need the message? Where are they? Where are they in Covington? Where are they in Ripley? Where are they in Brighton? Where are they in Munford? Where are they in Atoka? Where are they in Drummonds? Where are they in Tipton County? God, where this is where you've planted us. Where are they? Who are the ones? Otherwise, what are we doing? It's why we exist, is to be his messengers. And let us, if everybody's saved, then let's just go on and go to heaven. Or if everybody's saved, then let's every one of us move and go to a place where people are not saved. Because I want to see, we need people to come to Christ. So where are they? I can tell you one big group that I can think of that need to hear about and know about Jesus Christ. And that's the kids and the youth in our community that have come into existence in the last 10 to 12 years or so. And I'm telling you, they need to hear about and know about Jesus Christ. The teenagers, they need to hear about and know about Jesus Christ. Amen. I, listen, I, I, I grew up, I mean, I was a teenager a long time ago. Don't you dare say amen. <laughs> Don't you dare say amen. <laughs> and I know how it was then. There, there were but a handful a handful that were that were really really living it out and the truth is even even they were not living it out before me until after they found out I was saved 
They never had any real spiritual conversations with me until after I came to Christ. And it wasn't long I was leading the conversation because they had just they 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 just were so shallow and had accepted just such a low place and stopped growing and pressing. Listen, grow. Let God use you. Stretch out. Be the messenger. Be the light. Amen. So I say again, who are the voices? And if you're around in an area that voices are needed because there is in your circle just person after person or even if there's one that needs Jesus Christ, that ought to excite you and ought to be a part of your prayer each day. God, use me as a messenger. Help me to portray you, to reflect you. Let them see you in my speech and my conduct and my attitude, right? Because they need you. Amen. Well, that's good whether you say amen or not. That's good. Lord, help us. The final. So, so John knew who he wasn't, and he also knew who he was. He also knew what he was to be. And he says, I must decrease, and he must increase. He actually said he must increase, and I must decrease, but it's all the same. I must decrease, and he must increase. Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? Is that on your heart? Think about it. John knew that he was to fade into the background, and Jesus was to come to the forefront. That was, that was an evidence of, of his success, was that Jesus comes to the forefront. I was, I was laughing standing up here a while ago, and, and uh, Brother Stephen was, was standing here, and then all of a sudden he moved. He said, I'm sorry, Pastor, I, just, I didn't want to put a shadow over you. <laughs> well, let me say, when it comes to Jesus Christ, put a shadow over me. I want him to be seen. I want to fade to the background, right? And that's what, that's what I want to do. When, when I preach, when I minister, when anybody ministers in whatever capacity, teaching, worship, serving, reading, whatever, we want to fade. We want to fade into the background and that Jesus is seen. I must decrease. He must increase. Let me tell you, that's the exact opposite of what the world tells you to do. That's the exact opposite of what happens out here is, hey, man, you know, you can make money if, if they find out you've got enough followers and you've got enough likes. People will actually pay you for the right things. <laughs> Just you put yourself out there, you know, and uh, whatever. I mean, I mean, are we in that world, man? How many likes I got and how many followers I got and, and how do I rank on Google reviews and all this, whatever, whatever. That's all fine, whatever. I guess there's a place, there is a honest place for that. There's also a dark place for that. But the bottom line is, folks, the, the whole focus can be so much focus on me when the focus needs to be on him. In the beginning of the relationship with somebody, how many know you, you, it's, it's rare, not that it never happens, but it's rare that we lead anybody to Christ that we don't know personally. And, and usually, <laughs> unless you're likable and they like you, you're not going to win them to God. One of the great things we can do to help ourselves to be better soul winners is to just be likable. Like, be nice, <laughs> be likable, be friendly, right? And so, anyway. As people of God, we reflect Christ. That's what we do. 
more and more of Him and less and less of ourselves. Our focus, in other words, our focus, my focus, God, my focus, let my focus be less on me and more on you. Let my will be less of self and more of you. Let my thinking be less of the human side of thinking and more of the divine side of thinking. God, I must decrease and you must increase. If you and I are to be successful because we're called to look like Christ, to be like Christ, to glorify Christ, then that's what God, then God's glorified and everybody wins. Jesus is lifted up. How do you want to, come on, in your heart, you really want to lift up Jesus Christ, right? But how many of you find yourself, man, stumbling now and again? And, and you see, you know what, sometimes during the day there might be something happening. You're like, mm, I didn't really do that well. Anybody ever get mad? Impatient? Somebody did you wrong, treat you wrong, you want to tell them about it? It'd be hard to do that, wouldn't it? Be, you know, somebody's, yeah, they're just on their phone at the red light and the green light comes on, they're still on their phone and you go honking. Hey! <laughs> What's the matter with you? Pay attention. <laughs> It'd be somebody in line at Walmart and you're, you're just on to them, you know, or whatever. You, you just, you get rough with somebody, you're rough with them on the phone. And then all of a sudden, they happen to show up at church one morning. And you go, Hi. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, I remember you. <laughs> Come on. That, be <laughs> that keeps us on our toes, right? God lesseth thee. I'm talking about, we're talking about John, a model servant. We're talking about what God wants us to be. Why? Why is this important? Because God wants us to mature. And that maturity is becoming more and more like Christ. Christ-likeness is the will of God for every saved person. It is his will. Amen? I must decrease. He must increase. The entire object of John's ministry is summarized in that verse. His followers were jealous for him. John, man, you've been bragging on this guy, but you need to stop. We got more people going to him than they are to you. John's exactly. I was going to say a while ago, you know, when we lead somebody to Christ, we have that privilege. We get to know them. We know them personally. And man, they're, they're enamored. They're blown away. Man, I want to love God like you. Oh, I want to know the Bible like you. I want to be able to pray like you. And all of a sudden, you become elevated in their mind. But if you're not careful, some will try to make a God out of you. We might win people to ourselves first, but the ultimately we're trying to lead them to Christ, right? I want, I, I hope that there's something about you that, you know what, you're like, man, I appreciate that about Pastor Ed. I see God in Pastor Ed. I want to be like Pastor Ed in this because he's like Christ in that. I hope there's some of that. I hope there's some of that. But I hope that your sights and your faith is way, 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 way farther down the road than here. My job, my goal, is to get you look at him. I'm not always going to be here. He is. I'm not God. He is. Remember that about wherever you are. Amen? Okay? And when you're leading somebody, you're helping somebody, and you're helping your kids, you want your kids, they, your kids, they want to look up to you. They want to be proud of you. But you got to get to the place where you're not number one. He is. 
I'm not number one in my wife's life. He is. And I'm so thankful. Right? You see what I'm saying? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to wrap this up, but, but listen, I want you, let's get this because this is practical. I'm talk, talking to believers, all right? Look, come on, look at neighbor say, he's talking to us, okay? He's talking to us. Want to be model servants. As servants, our goal is not for people to follow us. Our goal is to see people follow Christ. And, and to be God-centered, not self-centered. And we need to be, be, beware of subtle self-centeredness. <laughs> subtle self-centeredness. Let me say, it can even happen in worship. I know sometimes, you know, you, find, you can find yourself, man, when you're singing songs about the Lord that talk about, look what God's done for me. In a subtle way, if we're not careful, if that's all we sing about, get excited about what God's done for me, it can turn selfish. It can turn from genuine praise to selfishness if we're not careful. Let me ask you, think about yourself sometimes how passionately you sing about songs that pertain to you and how God's blessed you versus the songs that we sing about the Lord and his nature and his character and who he is that has no mention of what he's done for you. How he's healed your body, how he's touched your mind, how he saved you, how he brought you out. None of those things. You were in trouble and he was there and he helped you, right? You've gone through a hard time, you've gone through a storm and he's there and all of that. No, none of that. We're glad for that. We praise God for that. That's one of the reasons we thank God, right? However, what about the songs that don't say anything about the Lord? They just talk about the goodness of God, the holiness of God, just Him. Amen? Otherwise, I, I remember, I may have shared this years ago, but I worked for a gentleman who um, his, his, his grandfather actually cut Hitler's hair. And I worked for this guy. And I was careful. <laughs> but I, I remember him, he would, go, he would often go away on trips. And um, his, his name, I, I'll just say it, is Joe Wineland. And um, he would often go away on trips. And every time he would, he would go on a trip, he'd always buy his kids some gift, some present. And, and so he'd come home, and man, all the kids come running. And, um, and, and they'd gather around, they're just ready, and he'd give them gifts, and they'd all be excited, you know, and then they grab those gifts, and they go off to play. But finally, one day, his wife told him, said, you need to stop. Sometimes it's okay, but when you bring gifts all the time, they stop looking forward to seeing you, and they start looking forward only to what you're going to give them. What a wise mom. And folks, if we're not careful, we'll do the same things. And we'll just come to church expect, look what God's going to give me, look what he's going to give me. Not that we shouldn't expect things from the Lord, but God, I'm here to worship you. Whether you have some special thing, some special blessing for me or not, I'm here to worship you. Right? Now, let me talk about something else and I'm going to wrap this up. Okay, we're getting close. I'm going to wrap this up. This, this kind of came up, this came up some, oh, a, a few weeks back in our midweek discussion. 
and just and it, and just how subtly again that we can become eye focused versus God focused. And it was talking about sharing our faith. It was it was talking about you know telling people about Christ. And um, and I can't tell you how many people began to say, you know what? I was just afraid. I was just afraid. How many of you can identify with that? I want you. I want you to listen to these statements. These will come up. I was afraid. I was a. I was afraid I would fail. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I didn't know enough. I felt like somebody else could do it better. I felt afraid. What if I messed up? What if I said the wrong thing? What's the focus on all those statements? You see how subtly it can move in? And it becomes focus on us. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I, no. We gotta, we've got to let God motivate us and help us. And with the power of the Holy Spirit that we become God-focused and think about what God can do through us. Amen? Esther said per, her, her uncle challenged her with this thought and, and she embraced it. Perhaps God has put me in such a position for such a time as this. And she embraced the God perspective of things instead of the selfish, uh, self-preserving part of things. And God saved the nation. Amen? Daniel looked beyond himself and self-preservation when his life was on the line. And it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the king's food. And he stood up and he requested that they be given only vegetables. And that was only Daniel. That was <laughs> only for you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank God for beef. Amen. But, uh, but he did that. And, and what, it, what uh, an incredible impact that Daniel had over the, the generations and four monarchs came in and he, he was still there, right? Why? Because he was God-focused, not self-focused. God-focused. I can, come on, say with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Right? Now see, even though I is in that statement, the focus is not on the I, the focus is on the I am. Amen? On Him, on God. And that's where we have to go. Otherwise, we get bogged down and the enemy just wants us to focus on us. I'm too afraid, too afraid, too whatever. You know, we end up with Moses. Now I'm not good enough. I don't speak good enough. Choose somebody else. Get somebody else. God said, no, go. <laughs> right? Now go. Now he's telling us to go, so go. This thing just doesn't end when we say amen this morning we come here to help each other to encourage each other because some of the things we go through in life some of the things can be God's way of helping us to fade into the background helping us to have less of self and more of him and it usually happens in times that are tough and times where there's tension. And if you're going through one of those times, you hang in there and say, God, what are you trying to do in me? Instead of just saying, God, what are you trying to do for me? God, what are you trying to do in me? Lord, use this to shape me. Nothing happens by excess. How many believe the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord? So does God always direct your steps into things that are good and easy and pleasant? Seems like I remember the first thing God did with Jesus after he said, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, get into the wilderness and fast for 40 days. And the devil's going to be after you. 
Did it not say the Spirit led him? And so sometimes God will take you. Listen, without those times, we won't be shaped. We, we, we will just tend to be in love with ourselves. It's those challenges, and we grow. Job was a great man, but he still needed to grow, and God, God let the enemy put him through some stuff, but God was faithful to keep him. Amen? Why? Because, church, God's trying to help us to become more and more like Christ, that he is seen, that he is seen. And we fade into the background, right? If he be lifted up, he will draw all men nigh unto him. God help us, amen, to be faithful servants.